I felt like I had finally been somewhat successful. Like I went years of being, you know, an entrepreneur with, with having very limited success, right? Um, not, uh, not a great success with the sports store. Um, you know, me and, me and Bill had, had tried a whole bunch of different festivals and, um, again, to, to, to varying degrees of success, but not. So when I finally, you know, here I find myself, I'm, I'm married. I have kids. I have two kids. Um, you know, we, we, we had a house, we, we had vehicles, we have, um, and like, I just, I wasn't my, like happy myself for some reason. Like, and, uh, and so for me, I just, I really, really, I needed to like figure out why that was. Right? Welcome to the Calgary Sessions. This is episode number 107. I'm your host, Jeff Humphreys. Today's guest, finally we get to flip the script because, yeah. Um, yeah, I finally get to put him in the hot seat because this is usually not his spot. So uh, name and who you are. Uh, my name is Mark Kondrat. I am with Alberta Beer Festivals and I do a couple of podcasts. So one is Let's Meet for a Beer and the other is Explore 84. So it's like the, uh, and you're like deep into your podcast career, right? How many of you shot? Um, I'm deep in slash still very much kind of like an enthusiast hobbyist. Um, I've probably done like three, 400 since I started, but, uh, it's for me up until recently, it's just been a real, you know, personal experiment. And, um, and so now I'm, I'm trying to grow it. I mean, obviously like, to be honest, inspired by people like you to just kind of like take it to the next level. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun. Cause I feel the same way. Just like when you find like-minded people doing the same same thing in the same space yeah you can do one of two things and you can either like hide and pretend they're not there <laughs> or the same way you've built your um the beer festivals you can kind of just like if there's alignment yeah stick together yeah 100 percent. i think and that's just easier it's a more sustainable model to kind of if, if you see alignment um i think yeah some people just by nature um have a competitive aspect and then other people are more collaborative and I think for me, um, although yeah, I can be competitive in certain things, it's why I'm not allowed to play hockey anymore. But, um, you know, for me, business has always been a collaborative venture. Um, the more that you can collaborate with people and um, focus on what you have in common, the more successful you'll be. So um, I know like when Terry Andreo um, introduced the two of us, you know, and he, cause he has that mindset as well, right? It's very collaborative. And so that's, you know, to me just makes more sense. So yeah, um, a, a, as soon as I met you, and I know talking to, I was, I was talking to someone else about about you. Um, Tim? No, it was um, Ryan Pinder. Oh yeah. And uh, he, right after him and I sat and had a coffee together one day, and he, he told me that uh, I should reach out to you because yeah, he saw a lot of uh, similarities between you and me, so yeah. Have you, have you always thought that about like um, in business where it's better to not, you know, not do it by yourself, but actually like find like-minded people and create community? Um, I, I don't know if I've always thought that, but I've always experienced, so I guess I was influenced that way. And so as soon as I, you know, graduated <clears throat> university and moved back to Calgary, everybody that I met, I was lucky enough to, they were very collaborative. Um, so like the very first, one of the first festivals that me and uh, my one partner, Bill, started was the Inglewood 
um, Inglewood Sunfest, which was, you know, I think they they still do the Sunfest down in Inglewood, but um, it was by design collaborative. Like we had to bring all the all the um, you know local businesses in, and that was the first time that I ever met my friend. Um, Tom Stewart, he was with Big Rock at the time and one of the founders of Village. And, you know, from the second we met each other, that was, that was just his mantra was, you know, how do we help, you know, build the community? And he was just so authentic with that. And so I just, over the years, I just, you know, became friends and business partners with people that just had that spirit. So, and I saw it as easier than, like I said, than competing. Um, it's just, uh, like, and, and it's more, it's um it's a more sustainable model yep. as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. It's it's yeah. just such a you know those people that that don't want to that don't think like that, right? They're just yeah. very siloed and and the energy's different. Yeah, it's um and and maybe maybe it's just that what they do is more specialized. I don't know. Like there's probably certain areas where there is more of a you know if I'm if he's winning I'm losing. Maybe that's true in some industries. It's just in everything that I've been a part of, it hasn't been the case. It's it's always been of more benefit for everybody if we do work together. So and and that's it. Also, is more fun that way. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Um, so the gist of the gist of the show is I like the guests to kind of you and I go and we'll go on all sorts of tangents, which, sure. which is awesome. But I like the guests the guests to go back as far as they want to go, how they grew up, where they grew up, what influences they had, whether it's friends, parents, siblings. So. Take it back yeah. as far as you want to go, and then we'll kind of weave a path to, sure. to where you are today. Uh, so I grew up in uh, in Red Deer, Alberta, um, so an hour and a half north of here. Uh, big family, so, you know, five brothers and sisters. Um, yeah, so I was kind of, I'm the youngest. I have a half-sister that's younger than me, but, you know, in our immediate family, I'm, I'm the youngest. Um, so I don't know, I, I guess... The, a psychologist would analyze me and say, like, you know, I'm I am the way I am because of uh, being the youngest of of a, of a big family. Um, my parents divorced when I was quite young, and so, but I've always been close with them. Um, and so, my dad, from my earliest memories, lived in Calgary, so I've always been very connected to Calgary. Um, I've always I've always loved Calgary. I went to U of C before I went to U of A. Um, yeah, I grew up playing hockey, just very much. Uh, you know, with, with my older brothers, just kind of that, uh, the kid that takes along with everything. And, you know, people joke about growing up in the eighties and nineties, and there was, I think, less supervision back then. So you kind of just, uh, yeah, you just grow up in that way and, and, you know, very independent. So, um, that's just always been my mentality. And, um, yeah, so went to graduated from business school at um, University of Alberta yep. and always just wanted to be an entrepreneur um, like, all, like always like you knew that like even like no I guess I didn't I never knew what I wanted to be and so I, I and I was never driven to necessarily work for a big company like it wasn't you know I had friends who would be you know they they wanted to work for a big company they wanted to work corporately and and I never really had that that um, that draw like mm -hmm. so um when did you realize that you think that was in some people have it figured out i mean figured out like their direction in high school they have yeah. this like structured path whether it's like engineer vets you know something yeah that has a pathway did you when you were that age what were you um i was like one of those like i was i was fairly smart in school but i wasn't very focused like i would 
I like literally in high school every semester my the vice principal would sit me down and and make sure to like set me up with my classes so that I would actually have what it takes to go to university. He just knew that I probably if left to myself wouldn't do that. So I was always you know encouraged and 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 I think people always saw that I was you know despite the fact that sometimes I was acting like an idiot I was you know, a little bit smarter than, than I was letting on. So, um, I was always just lucky enough to have people like that in my life that kind of like, you know, it's like bowling when you have like the, the gutters have the bumpers on to kind of help me kind of go straight. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, I never really put a lot of thought into like what I wanted to be, but I was always very independent minded and, um, always trying new things. So in university, for example, like I was a, I was a nerd, um, in terms of, you know, the president of the marketing association at U of A for a year and, uh, always doing sort of side projects, uh, wherever I could. And so, um, yeah, just those independent things where I got to be creative and imagine like, Oh, what if we did this? What if we did this? Um, and you know, that just, turned into kind of what I do for a living. So you, you just kind of, the nice thing with being young is that you, um, you know, if you can continue to live like a student, um, you have no frame of reference in terms of like, oh, I need to make this much money. I need to make this much money. So as long as I was happy doing what I was doing creatively, um, I was okay living like a student um, for a few years after university. So, um, and then, you know, me and my business partner, Bill, we just, um, yeah, we would just experiment with things and different types of festivals and stuff like that. And uh, it was, you know, had fun along the way. So, so that, um, that creativity and like in business school, did you, were you thinking that you were going to do your own thing? Were you like, as you're moving through those courses and like getting this degree, did you get a degree? Did you finish? Yeah. Yeah. I got, I uh, feel like you might I'm be the, a, I'm alumni at U of A. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you could be the wild card that started, but didn't finish. Yeah. No, no, no. I, um, it probably took me longer and I should have like, technically I should probably be a doctor for how many years it took me. You were there, you were camping out. It wasn't quite that much, but um, yeah, I did, I did finish. One of the things that I took away from business school was like, for example, the prof would say, um, you have to create a website. That to me never said, that never meant to me that I needed to build a website. It need, it meant that I needed to have a website built. And so, um, that's the way I always approached it is, okay, well, um, who can I get to build me a website? Who can I get? So I guess in that sense, everything was always collaborative to me. It's kind of like, okay, like what is, you know, well, this guy's really good at that. So I was always, um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just, um, I, I, I was always trying to, uh, I guess, take a different approach. And like, I was never, you know, like my wife, for example, she's corporate and she loves it. Um, so just some people have that mindset and I never did. <laughs> and yeah. did you, did you know coming out that you wanted to do your own thing? Did you, and did you have a firm idea what that actually looked like? Um, no. So I worked, I, when I was going to U of A, I worked for Molson and I really loved you know, the, the team, they were really good people. I just knew that I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, necessarily be a rep uh, for a living like myself. It just, it was, um, you know, it was, maybe I'm not that much of a people person. Like, I don't really know, but, um, it just seemed like something, but I love the industry. So I was always thinking of a way of how could I be in the beer industry on some level? Um, and then go, when I was in university, I always, you know, I, I did, do you know help out with some some concert um concerts and stuff like that so so i had this idea of like you know doing event type things um 
and maybe industry adjacent to the beer industry, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. still get to hang out with these people and uh, and share their stories because I just think there's a lot of cool people in the industry without necessarily um, being in it on a daily basis, mm. if that makes sense. So what what was it about like work with Molson that actually had you interested or engaged in that job and the industry? Um, well, it's it's interesting because back then is like so Edmonton still had the Molson House, uh, which is if. I remember being in there one time and just as I'm walking around realizing, you know, this is where Wayne Gretzky had his press conference when he got traded oh, to no LA. Way. And there's just so much history in that. Um, and anytime we would ever do a, a media event, you know, the media from Edmonton would always be there. Um, like, you know, without exception, it almost felt like daily, there was something, some excuse to get together and kind of hang out and, uh, and I just loved how it brought the community together. It was just, there was always something fun, you know, and the, um, no one was ever upset hanging out at the Molson house. You know what I mean? So, um, I, and I just have always loved that about the beer industry is, you know, the people that make up the beer industry typically really care about what they do. Yeah. Um, they're not necessarily driven first and foremost by money. Although, you know, I, th I think, it's a good motivator. Like you, hopefully you, sh you should be, you know, at least have a, an idea of how to make good money, but that's not their primary motivation. I just find the people in the industry really, really good. And, and that was the case back then, you know, they, um, they really cared about, about their product. They really cared about, you know, the people that work there as, as, as far as like, I sincerely felt that. And so, yeah, the industry just always really excited me. Did yeah. you, um, your personality, like I know you now, back then, yeah. what kind of like outgoing in group environments or, you know, like being confident, yeah. not loud? Like how did you fit in? How did you fit into those environments? I was probably, well, I was really loud. I was probably obnoxiously loud, but I, I've, I've, I find myself like I'm an introvert in that, like I've had this conversation with a lot of people. Like I'm an, I'm an introvert because being in social settings depletes my energy as opposed to, so... So I can be in settings, um, in, in public settings, and I do truly enjoy them, but, um, but I also enjoy like my, my quiet time by myself. So, so back then I was, I think I was, I, I was, you know, I would describe myself as, I, I was probably seen as an, as an extrovert, I would imagine. Um, but it just takes me a lot of time, a long time to recharge, but, um, um, I don't know how I would describe myself. I just, I, I never necessarily felt like I fit into the mold of, of, of that corporate kind of thing. And, and I, I guess I always, I also never enjoyed hierarchy. Um, I, I, I always enjoyed people, you know, if you're good at something and, and this person's good at something like collaboration to me is so much more fun, you know, and, and it doesn't matter to me if you're new to the industry or if you've been there for 30 years, it's like, I just love when you can get people together that just really, you know, give a shit and they care and seeing what, what happens with that. And so I think maybe that was another reason why corporately I didn't quite fit in was because um, I was too impatient with like, well, I have ideas that I yeah, want yeah. to implement now, you know, so. And then you could probably see it being like a smart person. You could see the levels that you needed to climb to actually yeah. get to a decision-making point. Yeah, yeah. And he's like... Why? Well, and then you have to dance and you have to play the game. And some people like that. And I, like, I just, I just, I, I never, I never was, was like that. And, and 
I don't know. I don't know where where that comes from. But like my dad was always like as far as I can remember, always an entrepreneur and always kind of, you know, doing his own thing. So I think I probably looked up to that a little bit as well. What was he doing? Uh, so he was so. Um, Actually, it's funny. So he used to have a, a business in Red Deer called the Condrat Wholesale Distributors, which is where Troubled Monk is in Red Deer now. Um, so that's like my earliest memory. And then when he moved to Calgary, um, oil and gas, so like seismic in the early 80s, I think the government was um, incentivizing people to kind of shoot seismic across Alberta. And then just from there, kind of oil and gas. And so... <clears throat> There's always kind of like, you know how it is, like oil and gas, there's the ups and downs, right? So we kind of rode those waves as kids. But for whatever reason, you know, it it kind of excited me that, um, you know, you can kind of choose your own adventure in some degree, right? Took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you, um, do you think it was just um, you learn things just by being in those atmospheres? You know, like watching and just like experiencing these things versus I'm guessing nobody sat you down and said... The idea of being an entrepreneur looks like this, right? Yeah. No one sat me down. Like, like I, I don't think, and I, like saying back then, maybe kids still don't have those conversations with their parents, but there wasn't, for me anyway, there wasn't necessarily any, any structure or any, like in terms of like, like, like there was no conversations like that. Um, and I actually, I think my my dad had more of those conversations with like my older siblings. I think maybe by the fifth, he's like, fuck it, this guy's good luck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the, the conversations never went very well. So what's the point of having them? But, um, yeah, no, I, I, almost to a fault, I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants. Like I, I wish I would have had a little bit more structure, probably looking back in hindsight, but, um, um, even like, you know, in today, like every, it's, 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 hard, it's always been hard for me to like, put together a, a consistent week of like, you know, like being at the office for X amount of hours and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, you, t you, you kind of led me right to this question, but, um, with your, with your kids, the idea of like, you grew up without those conversations. Yeah. Would you, would you go down that path if the, if, is there an opportunity to either educate or shine a light on the idea of being an entrepreneur with your kids or is it just kind of and I, I don't know, like my, my one daughter, my oldest daughter is very much like my wife, um, which is a good thing. And my youngest is, I guess, more like me. I, I think for me, I just, you know, and I'm not perfect in, in, in any area of my life, but what I would like to do for my kids is more so just uh, lead by, so show them by through example and, you know, that's either going to inspire them or going to make them run for the hills. Um, but, you know, everything that I do, especially in like in my life now, is I want it to be authentic. I want it to be real. And um, and if so, if my kids are inspired by that and, and also like I do make mistakes, I, I make mistakes every day. My my team is is probably mad at me as often as they're happy with me. Uh, but, you know, I think there's a level of authenticity and, you know, we've always had, you know, uh, our philosophy has always been to have a strong foundation and, and be real. So it's, you know, you know, every company that, that I've built is, I feel like authenticity is very, very important. And so with my kids, it's the same thing. It's, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. Um, but, you know, find something that you're passionate in. I, I would never tell my kids what they should be, but if, you know, but when you decide you're going to be something, try to 
you know, do the best that you can and, and really, really give a shit about, you know, about doing it. Um, and so it's just cool watching kids because you couldn't, like in my mind, like my, with my kids, I, I know that they're going to just do, you know, whatever. So all I can do is be the example of with what I've chosen to do, I do it with a lot of passion and I, I love what I do. And so whatever they choose to do, just take that passion into it. And, and then, cause then as a dad, it's so much fun to watch, right? It's like, uh, so yeah, I, I don't know if that's a philosophy, but it's how we, how we live. No, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause I think I grew up in an environment where it's just more like, it was just cues, like the unsaid things were the right. things that made more of an impact on my life. Yeah. It was never these like sit down breakthrough moments. It was yeah. just like watching yeah. and listening just kind of, kind of put, put me on a path. Totally. And, and I mean, that's really like, you can talk it like, whatever till you're blue in the face i guess whatever but you know kids they they observe and so so like you know if if they're not going to listen to what you say they're going to listen to what you do and um and so and i think that's the one thing with uh i think maybe we know that more than you know our parents did but um you know they they see us and they observe us and that's what they're influenced by for sure um, so take it back to Molson. So yeah. you decided to leave there or how did that look? So are you graduated, leave there? Or like I where, just, where I, did it fit? my idea was always to just be like, move back to Calgary after I graduated. And like when I was going to school and at U of A, for whatever reason, that was, that was just what I feel like that's what people did. Like they, they, they graduated from business school at U of A and then they moved to Calgary. And so that was my biggest thing. And I, I didn't know, you know, and then, but you're naive, right? You think, oh, like I could go get a job wherever, like, you know, I'm a hot commodity. Um, so you don't realize that it's, it's going to be a, a challenge, right? To, to get, you know, a proper job. So I worked downtown for a few, I probably took like, probably four months to get a job. And then I probably worked downtown for like six months. And then I was just like, okay. What were you doing? Uh, oil and gas. I was in sales and wicked team again, like just a really, really good group of people. Um, we had a ton of fun, but it just, I don't know. I just, it was never like, I couldn't get my head around, you know, I would take the C train to work every day and I would just observe people. And it's like, you could just tell like that guy has been doing Mm. that Mm -hmm. for 30 years. Like I just knew that he was standing there reading the paper, um, and I had been doing that for years. And I just thought, I, I can't see myself doing that, you know? And so then like, to my point earlier is, you know, I was, I wasn't making very much money. So I'm like, okay, well, I could do my own thing and make about the same amount of money, maybe less, but like, you know what I mean? It was still like, I I didn't have a family. I didn't have anything to like, that I needed to support. So I always felt if, uh, if I was going to do it, you know, that like the earlier in my life, the better I, I, and I, I really commend people who become entrepreneurs and stuff later on in life. But I don't think if I didn't make that choice then, I don't think, I think it would have been a, you know, it was like a fork in the road, right? It's like now mm-hmm. or never. So, so interesting. You say that, like looking at people. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple experiences working downtown and I felt the same thing. I was watching, I was watching people. I was watching mm-hmm. what they were wearing specifically. Even before I got a job downtown, like I, so I lived, I'd take a bus downtown to go to Mary's. So I'd take a bus all the way to like first street and then either walk or catch a train yeah. and go to Mary's. And I always remember watching every day, the same person gets on the bus, 
wearing a black suit or a gray suit. Yeah. Holding a holding a briefcase. And I was just like, I don't like being on the bus right now as yeah. a high school kid. Yeah. I was like, I had, this feels like a feels odd it feels odd and but some people love it like like my wife and she's so she's such a good she loves corporate and she's so good at it and she's so smart and she enjoys her team and i remember when she was on mat leave and i was trying to you know help her uh like almost like start her own company and you know trying to give her options so that she wouldn't have to go back downtown and work corporately and and then it occurred to me one day that she wanted to. And I was just like, oh shit, I, th- I thought I was trying to save her. And like, it, like it, it, but it, I'm like, I, I didn't realize that. I thought that that was like what people did um, in a pinch. And it, but, but the thing is, is there's some people that absolutely love that. And, and, that's, and that's awesome. Um, I just, you know, for whatever reason, was never mm-hmm. a person that did, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> Dude, I have nightmares of my first downtown job. I, you had to wear a collar. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I was like 19, maybe. Yeah. So you buy these shitty khaki pants, these like oversized golf. This is like in the mid 90s. Yeah. Giant golf shirts that look ridiculous. Yeah. You have like one pair of pants and five shirts, and you just repeat them. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it felt so uncomfortable being in that environment. Yeah, I had to wear a suit and tie, and I would I could never wear my tie. So my boss would always come in and jokingly be like. Where's your tie? And I'd be like, it's hanging up. Like, I'll go, if I have to go somewhere, I'll put it on. But why do I have to wear it when I'm in my office? And um, I just remember running into him years later and he wasn't wearing a tie. I'm like, hey, where's your tie? And uh, he laughed. But, uh, and even just, I remember going there on like a Friday afternoon, going to my office and I was grabbing something and the secretary looked at me and was like, oh, you, you own jeans? Like she, she had never seen me in a suit. I'm like, oh man, this is so not who I am, you know, but um um, but like I said, like still really good people. So I, I can never really put my finger on, you know, I think back to my experience with Molson and then my experience downtown, I always really did enjoy the people that I worked with. I just, I could never get motivated to, to do that, like mm-hmm. structure for yeah. some reason. I, I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm, <laughs> this is the cool thing about these shows. Cause I felt the same way, Yeah, but not a lot of people felt like that. Yeah. And, and and, and and that's, I mean, I think a lot of people, they, they need that external structure put onto them, yep. right? Yeah. So it's good. Um, so what happens? You're there for like four or six months and what do you, what happens? So then me and, so my current business partner, um, so I've, I've two others, but Bill uh, is, has, we've been business partners basically since, since in, in around that time, I'll say. So we used to throw kind of small events when I was still working downtown, I was kind of like, okay, well, I like something's got to give here. Either I'm going to stop doing those things or I'm going to stop working downtown. So I decided to, to quit my job. And um, <clears throat> so from there we would do just, because it, it's funny, I would, I would call us event coordinators, but we weren't really like your typical, like if someone would have had us like do a corporate event or like a wedding, it would have been like the worst Fail. experience in the world. So we had like a certain niche that we didn't quite know what, you know, what that niche was yet. Uh, but we, what we gravitated towards was, was bigger events. And so, <clears throat> like I said, it, it was in around then that we started working on the first um, Main Street Sunfest in Inglewood. We used to do an event downtown in the Devonian Gardens called Festivus. So if you've ever watched Seinfeld, so for whatever reason, we just thought that name was funny from the from the episode. Um, and that was a food and wine show. 
food and wine and, and beer and, and, uh, and stuff like that. And so we just had some really fun restaurants involved and, um, some really cool agencies. And from that, someone said, you know, you guys, uh, our friend Vern, remember saying to us, like, w- there's no beer festivals. Like, why don't you guys do a beer festival? And so <clears throat> that was when, it, you know, I was already working alongside with, you know, some really good breweries, um, you know, Big Rock being one of them. Wild Rose was was here in town. Um, Grizzly Paw was, was around back then. So it was like, oh, cool. Like, we could maybe do something to specifically showcase, like, the breweries. <clears throat> and uh, so in 2004, we started working on our first what we called the Calgary International Beer Fest. We still call it that. But mostly because back then that's what was sexy was international beers coming in. We didn't quite have a, a robust craft beer scene, um, I would I would say. So what year, what year is this ish? <clears throat> two thousand five. Five good. Two thousand four, two thousand five. So um <clears throat> so that was uh and then and then from there I actually kinda did a one eighty. Um I had a I have an older brother who called me um right after the the festival was like the first beer festival was done and uh he he was uh made the suggestion that we should buy a sports store in Cochrane and uh, which is kind of like out of left field but um you know growing up playing hockey and and uh I thought it might be kind of a neat idea so we did that and uh you know I think it's one of the reasons why I'm just such a supporter of small businesses is because you know that really taught me how hard it is to to run a a small business and and people just think you know if you own a business that you're you must be rich you know and then we go from these struggling entrepreneurs and then as soon as god forbid someone makes money now they're greedy business people and i'm just like to me it's like you know there's there's almost everybody's either struggling or just barely making it. And, you know, so to me, I just, I always knew that, you know, um, I wanted to, I guess, share the stories of entrepreneurs and, and small business owners because, you know, what they're doing doesn't necessarily make sense from a financial perspective. They're, they're trying to articulate an idea that they have and, you know, that they, they, you know, th- there's more struggle than there is, you know, kind of wins on a daily basis. And so, you know, for me, just being able to do the festivals is such a good opportunity to connect people directly with the people, you know, whether it's small breweries, distilleries, you know, chefs, uh, restaurant managers, owners, just connecting people and getting to know who these people are because, you know, they're very passionate people and they're doing it first and foremost for the passion. They're certainly not doing it for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned that, the like I will say, the hard way by owning the sports store because it was seven days a week and there was no, and, you know, like it was just a struggle to keep the do- the doors open, the lights on kind of thing, you know? And so when I see people succeeding in retail, I just think like, slow clap like good for you because that is not easy <laughs> what was um what was that conversation conversation like with your brother when he called you to do this like it's it was it's one of those sort of, like you immediately re- you look back you think if i only i didn't answer the phone on that day no, <laughs> <laughs> no. um yeah it was just because it was one of those conversations we had probably years ago like you know like growing up playing hockey in you know small city in alberta it's you know, that's one of those things like, oh, how cool would that be to, you know, to own a store? And, 
and, you know, be able to be in that environment all the time, right? Talking to people who are, are you know, are playing sports and playing hockey every day and stuff. So um, it seemed like, a, yeah, it seemed like kind of a natural fit. You know, I, I have a business degree at the time, right? I'm, so I felt like I could bring something to the table that way. Um, grew up playing hockey. So it's kind of combining all the things. So at the time, it made a lot of sense mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. The... Um what did you really learn there? Like besides, besides the appreciation and respect for small business owners, what did you figure out on the out of that? Um, well, I learned that I, again, like, like I struggle with, um, that structure of like, you know, having to have the door open at this time. And, and I'm, I don't know if that makes me sound like I have like uh, ADD or whatever, but it's just my, I struggled with that you know, consistency, there was no off button, you know, like we were open seven days a week, you know, everybody had my, my phone number. And, and I don't say that in a bad way, it's just you, there's, there's burnout in that, you know what I mean? And so, but what I, again, what I loved is I love the people. So, you know, getting to sit and have a beer with, you know, some of the staff after work and, you know, just getting to know them as they, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, they were young kids, let's say teenagers when they started and, you know, in university by the time they would have left. And so you get to kind of see them grow up. And so I really enjoyed that. And then just a lot of the the customers that would come in, you know, you get to know them um, on a very personal level and you get to see their kids grow up. And so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fun in that as well. Right. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's a grind in that it's, like I said, it's retail is typically seven days a week and, and, uh, it's hard to get, you know, proper people in place to, uh, to kind of replace yourself on those days. Right. And I remember people coming in, sometimes they'd give us crap for being open on Sundays. And it's just like, well, you know, when, when you're paying $40 a square foot, like we're not open on Sundays cause we want to be, you know what I mean? Like we're open because we, we got to pay the bills and stuff. So, um, but again, like the people that I met, I still, I keep in touch with, with a lot of them, um, that, that, uh, that I, that I met back then and just, you know, still, still think about, you know, the people that used to come in as regulars. Um, I'm lucky enough, um, to know some people in the beer industry that were kids that came into the shop back then. So, um, definitely kept some of the relationships, but, uh, uh, again, just a total shout out to people that are able to succeed in retail. Um, people talk about supporting local. Um, I, I don't think people truly understand how yeah. absolutely important that is. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, they're supporting people that are like, they truly, truly, um, need, need us it. to, right. Yep. So, yeah. Um, so my good friend, Rob Turkey and Pistols mm-hmm. has a, a music and apparel shop on yeah. Bright Creek. I've been there many times. So it's yeah. like, Seven days a week. So as, yeah. you're, as you're telling this story, I'm watching yeah. Rob build this business out yeah. there seven days a week. And it's, you know, it from the outside, it yeah. looks exhausting. And it is. And even though he's combining his passions, right, um, it's still it's still tiring. It's still... And so, and like I said, so he's a great example of someone who is, he's trying to, he has an idea in his head and he's trying to articulate it. And that's what entrepreneurs do. And so um, he's passionate like again he's so talented so um and and you know like i have these conversations where people are like well you can buy a record online it's cheaper than going out there and it's just like yeah but he's curated such a cool experience like you got to go and check him out and like his t-shirts are awesome and hilarious and just like you know um 
And so, you know, supporting those those local people that are doing cool things. Like, yeah, Rob's a great example. And that's it's funny because that that is that is the choice. Like yeah. when, when we say support local, people don't really understand that it's that it's not going on Amazon. Yeah. It's literally paying for the gas, spending the extra time to get where you need to go to buy something. Yeah. That's what supporting means. Not just totally. like not not once a year this like token visit. It's like when you have a decision of either big box yeah. or this, you got to like put in the time and effort to go yeah, do that. Yeah, totally. Well, and it's in, he's in Bray Creek. So, it, you know, you can combine that with, you know, going for a hike. Um, my kids, I'll just be like, well, we'll stop at the candy store right, right beside as well. So, um, but yeah, and it's, and what they're doing is, is so cool. Like we, we, you know, when you go into a neighborhood and there's no vibe, that's why it's because like, you know, it's like we, we think, well, okay, everybody should support local. I won't, I'll go here. Uh, but if everyone else does, then what's the difference? You know, it's like we, and, and, and we're all guilty of it. We all do the Walmart thing and we all do the Amazon thing. So it's, it's taking, you know, really being conscious and, and, um, really intentional with, with trying to do it whenever we possibly can. Um, so how long was the, how long were you at the sports store? How long did the sports store exist? Um, so it exists, it existed with me until I want to say 2011, 2012. So basically once I had my first daughter, let's just blame my daughter. She's not here. No. Um, <laughs> when I, I just, it was, it was as if I just had, a, I had clarity, um, with what I wanted to do and with what I did not want to do. And, um, um, you know, at, at that point, it had never really bothered me to be working seven yeah. days a week. Like and for don't five, get, six years, right? Yeah, yeah. So 2000 and probably five, we started it because it was right after the first beer festival. Yeah. And then 2011, so yeah, f like six, maybe almost seven years. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, as soon as I had started, like had my first daughter, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I, I don't want to be away from my daughter like that much. I, I want to hang out with her. I want to be able to, um, do things. And so, and at that point too, I had been, cause I kind of took a few years where I wasn't very active in the beer festival. And then when I started getting back to it, I had a real vision for what I wanted the beer festivals to be. And so were they going on while you had the sports store? Yeah. So, so Bill, um, kind of kept the lights on and did a great job growing it. Uh, the Alberta, uh, the, uh, the Calgary International Beer Fest. And so when I got more heavily involved again, probably in, I want to say 2008, 2009. So there's a few years where I was very much in the back, on the, you know, back burner. Um, when I got back into it um, and my, my daughter was born, I, I, I had more of a vision for what I could do with the festivals um, and, and where I wanted to take that. And so for me, it was more of a, I, you know, I, basically said, I, I can't do the, the, the store anymore. I was just, I was burnt out uh, mentally, physically, uh, but I had a real vision for what I could, what I felt like we could do with, uh, with the beer festivals. And so that was kind of when we, we turned it into Alberta beer festivals and had an idea of growing, you know, going to Edmonton, doing these sort of things. Um, I always loved the idea of doing a festival in Edmonton because I knew that Calgary and Edmonton are so different and I knew that we had to approach it differently. So it was exciting to kind of, you know, go back to Edmonton and, and visit all my old friends and, you know, go to the university and just kind of, you know, so yeah, it was exciting. Hmm. So when you come back at it kind of full time with a vision, 
does your does your partner just on board with you right away? Could was he like aligned with you that he could kind of see what you were yeah. what you were seeing? Well, me and Bill have always been we're I would say an interesting couple because like it's just like being a married couple in a way because we disagree a lot and we we but we we've always been aligned somehow and so we've always we've always trusted each other um on some level as to like what the overall vision could be and so and i think I've, i'm always i always want to be like the person that goes like all in on something and so if you know, with the store, I wanted to be the person that was there every day. Um, with the festivals, as soon as I have an idea, uh, it's like I want to be the person who's in Edmonton, like on the ground, getting this organized. Um, and so that was my kind of, I think, my idea to him was let's do something in Edmonton, um, but I'll do most of the legwork, right? And I'll, I'll kind of see this. And so and he was supportive of that because obviously we have to take, you know, some of the, uh, you know, time and energy that would go into Calgary to kind of divide it. So for whatever reason, like I said, like we've always agreed on, I think the greater vision, we, we disagree on the day to day sometimes and stuff like that, but, um, we've always kind of had each other's back on, on what we want Alberta beer festivals to be or what we know it could be. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so the growth from when you started, like when you launched the first festival to like where it is now, ish, yeah. could you have seen what the industry was going to do? Like, could you have, I don't know how many, I don't know who attended or what kind of vendors yeah. you had the first one to like whatever, 140 some odd breweries now in the, in the province. Like, um, we couldn't, no, I don't think we could have seen, like, I remember asking someone the first year that we were doing a beer festival um, cause I was doing like odd jobs and stuff like that at the time. So I was frame, I was helping a guy frame just cause just to like, just to supplement. Yeah. Just yeah. to kind of, yeah. Just kind of make ends, ends meet and just, um, cause we were really just experimenting with like different festivals and stuff like that and trying to see what would stick. So, um, I remember I was driving in a truck with this guy and we were framing some condos and I said, what do you think it would do in a beer festival? Like we're thinking we might do a beer festival and he's just like, I don't even understand like what that means. I don't, uh, I, he's like, I don't even understand the question. Like, like there's not enough beer. Like in his mind, there's like Molson Canadian <laughs> Kokanee. He's like, how is <laughs> How does that make a festival? So, um, so, you know, from that point, it's kind of like, could I have foreseen that where it, to, to where it is? Like, no, but, um, but, I, I knew that there was enough to do a festival. And then once you get that, you know, and, and you see, you know, okay, how does, how do the restaurants interact with the breweries? And back then there was a lot of agencies um, and an, an agency would have, you know, a huge portfolio of, of beer and wine and spirits and stuff like that. So back then it was working more with agencies and the, the odd brewery. And now it's kind of flipped where you're dealing with a lot of individual breweries and just a few agencies. Um, but I, I know, I, I don't think I could have imagined that it would be where it was as a, as a community, like a local community with so many different breweries and stuff like that. Like it's, it's really cool to have been able to just watch that kind of unfold. Yeah. From like day one. Yeah. Like early, yeah. early days, right? Early, early days. But you know, the biggest thing is, is, um, you know, if we, if we go back to the, the beginning of, 
sort of the craft beer in Alberta, which is, you know, I hope I'm not missing anybody, but really <laughs> I'm going to say Big Rock is obviously big in that Alley Cat and then Brewster's has, has always been big. And, and to some degree, I think Brewster's has, has been underrated in terms of their impact on the industry. Um, but Big Rock, uh, they're, they kind of created what is still today the the essence of the of the beer culture in Alberta. And so, you know, Alistair Smart, who, you know, I've been lucky, I was lucky enough to meet years ago, and he's just, you know, he was essentially the first salesperson in Big Rock. And so he taught, and before he was, before he was there, he was in the retail business. He was at Les Chateau and I think Reitman's like, which you would never think when you meet him. And then before that, he was, uh, I think, a police officer in, in England. Like he's just, I, he must be 300 years old by now because he's had so many like careers, you know. But he was the first sales rep for Big Rock. And he'll say that he was the second, but effectively he was the first. And so he taught everybody who who came in after him, his philosophies. And so, you know, the Tom Stewart's who I got to meet and uh, the Craig Surrett's, um, they, they all learned from him and then they continued to teach others. So the, really the foundation of the beer culture in Alberta comes from Big Rock and comes from, I would say, in my opinion, specifically Alistair Smart. So um, so it's, it's, it's really cool that... When, so I couldn't have foreseen what was happening, but when you look, when you look at what it is now and where it came from, it's, it still has that like really amazing foundation of, of community that was, is so important to Alistair still. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. He's cool. It's amazing that you can tie it back to like one human because you've, yeah, you've been a part of it for a long time. So you've, yeah, you can. Oh man. And if, and, but like, he's so passionate. If you ever go. Like one of Alistair's favorite places to eat is the Danish Canadian Club, and anytime he brings anybody there, um, especially for the first time, he'll make sure that they are sitting in. So all the ch- chairs are named, and so he'll make sure he gets there ahead of time, and he he moves the chairs around so that you'll sit in Ed McNally's like the, so the founder of Big Rock you'll sit in Ed McNally's chair. So then he'll tell you the whole story, the origin story of Big Rock. And then he'll say, and somewhere in this room, Ed McNally's chair. And then inevitably you look and you're like, I'm in his chair. And it's just like, he curated the whole thing, but he's still that proud of, of, you know, of that company. Right. So yeah, it's, it's cool. And that has just, I think, I just believe that that's kind of carried over. And that's been like, that was the, the um the beginning of it so it's cool when you're in an industry where the foundation was so strong and people just really cared and um and still do yeah yeah um i'd love to get into the podcast podcasting with you i you've been doing it for so long yeah and i'd love to know the why Mm -hmm. that's kind of where i'm that's that's where (laughs) where i'd love to know why you started it and i'd love to just hear that like what, um, drove, what drove you there? And give me some timelines too. Yeah. So I was, so when I, why did I do it? So when I was, you know, like most of what I did on a daily basis was very much one-on-one 
with with people or I would be in my office, you know, imagining what the floor plan was going to be for the festival. And so and even still, like what I do is is often like I'll meet with people one on one, I'll get their feedback and I'll try to incorporate it into like what the greater vision is for like a festival or, or something like that. And so um so I, I, I'll say that there's two reasons I started. One is I wanted to kind of branch out. I wanted to um, I wanted to just challenge myself a little bit, right? And as, as opposed to, you know, just doing the one-on-ones, I wanted to kind of create or learn what my voice was and, and uh, learn how to articulate myself and, and express who I was. Uh, and the other reason was that, in my meetings, I get to meet so many cool people and, you know, whether it was, you know, people from the beer scene, um, or, you know, just like, it, it doesn't matter, like just sitting down with these people and they had so many cool stories. And I thought, man, like I'd just be vibrating or I'd have like goosebumps and I'm like, how do I share these stories? You know, like, like these people have such, uh, their, their visions and what they want to do. And I wanted to help them as much as we could through the festivals, but I wanted to just share their stories and um and so that's you know that that's what that's what i i did so i was talking to my friend jim button at the time and um, i remember going for coffee with him and he was doing uh he was doing a blog to talk about his journey um he was he was uh battling cancer at the time and so his voice how he articulated his voice was through his blog and he he's you know for him he said took him a long time to even learn like a, his writing style because everybody's different, right, with how they... And so uh, for me, I wanted to... So he inspired me. He did it through blogging. I wanted to do it through podcasting is is kind of find my voice and, and be able to express who I am while still sharing stories from people that I got to meet all the time. And I called it Let's Meet for a Beer because... That's basically how I, like anytime I was like, okay, well, let's meet for a beer and we'll go through this or we'll go through this. But, um, you know, meeting for beer is the same as, you know, going for a coffee or, you know, people that, you know, chefs will say like breaking bread together. It's like, it's just saying, let's just spend time together and let's talk about things, you know? So if, if someone says, hey, let's meet for a beer, you know, what they're saying is um, they value taking an hour out yeah. of their life to hang with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? For so sure. it's cool. Um, what year did you start that one? I would have started that in, I want to say like 20, well, okay, just wait. So 20. Pre-COVID. Yeah. So 2019, 2018, 2019 kind of thing. Yeah. Pre-COVID because I remember I had like my 50th right before COVID because JD and Tom Stewart. So Tom Stewart from Village and then JD from CJ92, they, we all did it together and um sounds fun yeah it was fun um oh i initially asked tom to do it and then i realized that tom as much as i love him was going to put zero effort in preparing for it so i'm like okay jd will actually like you know do a proper job so yeah we all sat around and just kind of chatted about the state of the the industry we'll say but uh not knowing that you know covid was was kind of looming and so and then i did probably 40 or 50 with JD over the first few months of COVID because we would almost do one daily. 
um, with the understanding that, you know, we're flattening the curve and in 12 days or 14, whatever it was. So we, and eventually like we thought, okay, well we'll do 10, we'll do 20. And then we got to probably 40 or 50 and we're like, okay, we actually should, like he has a day job, right? <laughs> so yeah. But, um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Do you, um, you know, when you're three, 400 in, whatever the number is, you probably know exactly what it is. Did you, were you prepared for what you're going to get from it? What you're going to learn from it and the, and the, um, experiences that you were going to create? Um, so I was, I was making this analogy the other day is, you know, when you like, I don't know if you've ever done anything like, like, let's say I've, I don't know how to play guitar, but, um, like mountain biking for me, mountain biking, I was, you know, I would, I always, when I'm mountain biking, I, I would always suffer through it and it always just sucked and I just never got better. And then one day I felt like I was actually a good mountain biker and like, but like for four years before that, I didn't like, I never felt good. I always felt like of all the people that we were with, I was the slowest. I was the one struggling. And then one day I just felt like, oh, okay, I can do this. And I feel the same with podcasting. I just, I've never, like, I just, I, I kind of like, suffer th through it um because i still get nervous i still chew my nails before a podcast um and but then one time one day like just like a month ago i was up early in the morning and i was preparing for a podcast and i just felt really good and i was just like oh this is just like it was that same feeling of like okay i think i can get there i think i you know and i so i'm still nervous and i still like literally do chew my nails before and I have to like go through a process where I'm like actually meditating stuff before I do my thing. Um, but I feel like I can kind of have, I have a vision for like, you know, actually, you know, where I want to go now. But like, I never, I never started it with an intention of like, where do I want to go or what do I want to do is just, I want to talk to people that I find really inspiring and I want to learn how to articulate myself uh, authentically. And those were my only two things. And so I'm kind of stumbling through it. And I finally get feel now I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, like, I think I can, I can be reasonably good at this, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, I find that that whole like thread really interesting, because it's like, so let's say run this run this idea with me. So somebody wants to start a podcast in Calgary, they look yeah. at a character like you, that's like deep, deep into it. Yeah. And they're, and they're instantly thinking, how does he doing it? how do he get there? And so they're like, okay, I'm going to try. And they try for four, they try for seven, they get to 10 and they shut it down. Yeah. I think what's very fascinating about the body work you've put in is like, it's straight work yeah. like to actually, to hone a craft. It's just work. It's not glamorous. When you have to know that you're not gonna, you don't start with the answer. Like, so for me, for example, my iterations are let's meet for a beer and then the Condra podcast. And then I'm like, you know what? Um, I want to split it into like two, basically the two sides of my brain. So then I went, let's call it, let's meet for a beer again and explore 84. And so, and so, you know, a lot of people would say, well, that's, that, that's the wrong way to do it. And it, it probably is, but it depends why you're doing it. So for me, I was doing it because I had an idea that I wanted to articulate. And so 
for me, kind of going down this path and hitting a dead end and then coming back and then going down this path. And that's all part of the process. So I don't, I don't go into it saying, I know exactly what I'm doing. And now I just have to like, you know, A, B, C, D to get there. I go in it saying, this is why I'm doing it. I just don't know how I'm going to do it. And I'm okay with, you know, messing up along the way. Um, then the nice thing about doing festivals is when you mess things up, you're doing it very publicly. And so you get used to looking like an idiot in front of a lot of people. Um, not to say that it ever gets easy, but you understand. And so I think with anything, if you're going to have the courage to, whether it's a podcast or whether it's starting your own business, there's that element of you need to be able to be vulnerable and be comfortable with that and know that you are going to screw up be prepared as, be as prepared as you can be, but even in that, you you will be messing up constantly because you're doing something you don't know yeah, yeah. what it is, There's right? There's no blueprint for it. Yeah. That, um, you've said it a couple of times, just like leading with, you're very thoughtful with what you're leading, like your why you're going to do something. You're very thoughtful with it. It's like, you know, I'm satisfying something internally or yeah. I'm just trying something versus looking at the, looking for the fame or the glamour behind all these ideas. Right. It's an intro. It's a, it's the, I think leading with that approach is the thing that lets you put in all the work to actually pull these things off. Yeah. And, and I think if you are, um, well, I just think like, that's what being an entrepreneur is, or that's what being, you know, if you like, I, I think that entrepreneurs and, and being an entrepreneur is a form of being an artist in a way because you're trying to articulate something that's in your mind right you're trying to you're trying to put it out there and so if you're if if you're kind of authentic to that then you know you'll you'll figure out the how right but like so as long as your your why is is always um and and you should always be clarifying the why because so for me sometimes sometimes I have days where I'm I, I'm just like what am I doing like why am I doing this and and so for me those are days where I just step back and I just I need to like reset but um, that's what life is all about is just um, is is that journey right if that's the most fun because if you're just doing things for you know whatever if people if you've ever had a nice car, if you've ever had nice clothes, if you've ever had something nice, um, the, the, the happiness that those things give you is like very fleeting, right? So um, it's cool to have all that stuff, but like that's not the, that's not like why we're put on this earth, you know what I mean? So um, to kind of articulate what is going on in our head and kind of manifest that, I guess, is I think the reason that we exist. So it's, uh, it's fun. <laughs> it takes courage to do it, doesn't it? It does take, yeah, for sure like, it does. Yeah. Like yeah. because of, you know, someone, someone from the outside, like me yeah. watching what you're doing and trying to figure out how you're, why you're making these moves. Like it takes courage to put yourself out there and have a voice yeah. and, and be, and be a leader, right? There's, those are, it can be an intimidating process. Well, and it's interesting though, because I don't necessarily think that, you know, putting yourself out there, I don't think people do it to be leaders, right? I don't think that like, so it's, you know, it's like a chef, you know, I'm fascinated by chefs and because I've never worked in a kitchen and I just see what they do. Like, so is so stressful. And so, but there's such a passion there. Right. And so I don't know that they start with the idea that I'm going to be, you know, uh, Ramsey celebrity chef, or I'm going to be this. They're just trying to articulate something. They're trying to express something. 
And, you know, sometimes it gets to that point, but I don't think they ever start with that yeah. in mind, right? Um, and so, and that's the same thing. Like in business, it, it's it's just so much fun getting to work with people that are passionate about what they do. And going back to what I said a lot, like early in the conversation, that's why it should never matter if someone's only been there for a month or for 30 years. If you are with people that give a shit, this level of energy that's there is just like, so fun, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you got to be confident enough to actually accept that energy. Yeah. To 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 be okay with not being the smart guy, smartest guy in the room that has all the answers. Like you got to like push that aside and just Oh, big time. Yeah, I, I think the once you um that's probably the biggest thing that uh that a person can do is like stop even trying to have all the answers. Like cuz a you don't. So like uh, and then because if, if you can if you can make space for other people who are good at what they do, you know they have answers that you need and vice versa. And so so to be in that collaborative space, and I think that's a lot of pressure that people put on themselves when they start when they first start a business is they think that they're supposed to have all the answers and they're they're supposed to be the leader who knows everything. And it's just like no one's asking you to know everything. Like you know your your job is to put all the try to put all the pieces together so that collectively we have the answers, but your job isn't to have all the answers yourself, right? And then once you know that, it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit and you can kind of breathe a little bit and have hopefully have fun in the process. Um, Explore 84. I want you to just run through this one for me because there's something around the, the I call it mental fitness. There's something, hmm. it's, it's very interesting to me just watching from the outside. So just run through what... What part so, of your brain turned this on and, and why you did it? So for me, I, I did it because I was, I don't know, like probably around like say eight years ago, I was, I wasn't necessarily like angry with the world, but I was kind of like, okay. Um, I felt like I had finally been somewhat successful. Like I went years of being, you know, an entrepreneur with, with having very limited success, right? Um, not, uh, not a great success with the sports store. Um, you know, me and, me and Bill had, had tried a whole bunch of different festivals and, um, again, to, to, to varying degrees of success, but not. So when I finally, you know, here I find myself, I'm, I'm married. I have kids. I have two kids. Um, you know, we, we, we had a house, we, we had vehicles, we have, um, and like, I just, I wasn't my, like happy myself for some reason. Like, and, uh, and so for me, I just, I really, really, I needed to like figure out why that was right. Like, like, is it, wasn't it supposed to be that when we finally, you know, got a nice vehicle or something like why, like, wasn't that supposed to be what we were doing this all for? And wasn't that supposed to make me like happy and like, and it just, it just didn't. Right. And so like, no matter what I would ever get accumulate, I just, it didn't do anything for me. And I found myself unhappy and, and, uh, and so I really had to focus on that. Okay. Why is that? And so for me, what I realized is like through my work, I, although I love what I do, I'm, I, it's very project project based. And so then when I got really focused on a project, basically my, I would ignore my health. And so I wouldn't be, you know, doing, going to the gym at all. Um, you know, I would ignore 
my relationship with my wife. I would ignore, you know, it just, I was so single-mindedly focused and I thought, well, that's not sustainable. Like I, I'm going to be, uh, divorced. I'm going to be, you know, everything that I've, that I've, you know, worked for is actually going to be gone if I don't think, figure this out. And so for me, I thought, okay, well, I want to just, every day I want to do something like physical for myself so that I can, so that I can be like, you know, in, in decent enough shape where I don't end a festival and then look at myself and go like, what the hell just happened? You know? Um, so it started out with that. It was just a physical challenge for myself. What can I do every day to be in physical, reasonably good physical health? And then from there, I just, I realized, okay, well, I'm not challenging my challenging myself mentally. And so that was part of why I did the podcast was, well, what can I do to, um, to challenge myself in, in that w- way to make sure that I'm doing, I'm progressing with my mental health on a daily basis. Um, and then talking to my friend, Jim Button and dealing and him dealing with, with his journey, um, what he said helped him was, was having that spiritual component. And so, you know, I learned how to meditate and just take time for myself um, because I do have like a lot of energy. And so if that energy is misdirected, um, it's, you know, it's, it's not healthy for, for me. So I needed to figure out, okay, what are healthy ways that I can expend my energy physically, mentally, and spiritually. And so Explore 84 was just my, it was for me just a checklist of 84 days is 12 weeks. And it was just like, okay, here's 12 weeks of, can I do something physically, mentally, and spiritually every day to just check in and just make sure. So it's running every day, meditating every day, and reading every day. And so, and then, you know, they'll say, well, approximately, let's say 66 to 100 days is how long it takes to uh, create a habit. So I thought, okay, well, 12 weeks is in that kind of time frame. And so what I do is every quarter, I just do a 12-week challenge for myself to just be making sure that I'm checking in. Because the thing about being an entrepreneur is you do it because you hate structure, but then what you realize at a certain point is, whether you hate structure or not, you need structure in your life. And so what people like about jobs is that oftentimes a job will give you external structure. Once you're an entrepreneur, you don't have that external structure. So you have to create internal structure. And so that's for that's what it is for me is just every day, okay, what am I doing to to address those, those components of my life? Um, and then a friend of mine, who actually met in Cochrane? Uh, we used to play hockey together. He's a chiropractor and he's a he's a doctor. And so uh, he would we'd go biking together. And he'd ask me like, okay, what are you doing? Like, why do you have this spreadsheet? And what you know? And and so I'd explain it to him. And but he started asking a lot. And I'm like, well, why do you care so much? Like, it's just a way of me like staying sane. And he's like, for him he would see clients and he would say, you know, they come in and say, oh, I have a sore neck or I have a sore back, but I don't know why, because I didn't do anything. And he'd be like, well, it's, that's why you have, your body's telling you, you have to do something, you have to use it. And so what he wanted was, he's like, I want something that I can give to clients that they can just, you know, check off that they've done something. And so what we what we have been working on together is is an app that basically is just a simple way for people to to say okay, what are my goals? Cuz everybody has different goals, like uh you know, physically, mentally and, and spiritually. So what are my goals? Um 
I call them minimum daily habits and, you know, just check them off that you do them every day. And so, yeah, we're, we're developing an app to, to kind of create that community. My whole thing is I'm not going to tell you what you should do, um, but I'll support you on your journey to do it, if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, but it, it's it's helped me keep my sanity, so. And then how do you, do you, before you figure this out, <clears throat> the, the, especially the, the physical side? Yeah. So for me, and I'll give you some context for where I'm going with this. So I figured out, um, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, I realized that I was um, not feeling great. I was kind of unhappy. I had like a shitty, um, you know, one of those daytime lights at your cubicle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things that you're supposed to get like vitamin D, <laughs> like all these things, okay, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, I got this seasonal thing that I need more sunlight and I'm kind of like depressed and not yeah. motivated and not firing. But what I figured out was like, it's the fitness piece. Yeah. When, I, when I wasn't active, because you go from playing hockey like seven days a week growing yeah. up, then you kind of, you know, you find the bars, that stops. And then that was my thing. So when I figured out that it was like f physical fitness was the thing to unlock my brain, yeah. then I've been on this path for 13 years. Yeah. Did you, when you were like, did you know how important the physical piece was to you or did, were you always pretty sure it was the three were connected for you? No, no, I, I, I wanted it only to be physical. I didn't, I didn't want it to be, I didn't want it to deal with anything else. Right. So, and I knew because, you know, I had, you know, I had been same as you, I'd been physically like active growing up and stuff like that. So, so where I got irritated physically was again, when I would be in the, um, you know, doing a festival. So, I, I would just be completely ignoring my physical health. And so then I'd be so irritated at myself by the time when I was done, because like, Jesus, now I got to get like, I know how much it's going to take to get back into proper shape. And then, so you do that. And then, and then another project comes and now you're just like, so there was just this yo-yo effect. And I thought, well, that's not, because eventually what my fear was is I'm going to be down here. So I'm doing the yo-yo thing. I'm going to be down here. And I'm not going to be motivated to go up again. And so what I needed was something that would just let me stay a little bit more consistent. And, you know, whether I should compare myself to a dog or not, I know that when I had my dog, if he got walked every day, he was just better, you know? So it prevents me from chewing on furniture, I guess. Just <laughs> go for my, my daily walk or whatever. Um, so basic. Yeah. And then, you know, like, and then it's just, once you kind of figure that out, you realize that, okay, that's not, physical health isn't the only you know, area of your life that needs attention, right? If you're going to be, you know, if you're going to be a tolerable human being at work and like a reasonably good husband and like, I'm not shooting for the stars here. I just want like someone who can, you know, carry a conversation without. So, but, uh, but yeah, no, I want it only to be physical. I wish. I, it's easier I, that way, right? Totally. It's, it's just like yeah. put in effort. Yeah. It's very singular. and Yeah. But, you know, it's so cool. Like, um, you know, the amount of, you know, doing the podcast and getting to ask questions and, you know, it really stimulates the mind. And then, you know, just asking people like, hey, what kind of books do you read and stuff like that? You start, you know, reading these books and you start, you know, exploring things that you wouldn't normally have explored. And so once you get, kind of go down that road, it's, 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 uh, I'm grateful that I went down the road, but I didn't go willingly. I was like, shit, okay, I got to figure, like, like I, I don't want to have to do that, you know what I mean? But uh, but it's a, it's a lot of fun now, and it's, 
it's a habit. Like, I mean, every morning it's just like wake up, read for however long. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's not glamorous, right? Like it's just, no, it's just these, like these boring routines well, that put us on a path. Like right now I'm reading this book that this doctor, uh, we had on the podcast a while ago, he recommended it's called younger next year, I want to say. And, uh, it's like he, this, this, like it's, he's talking about, um, heart rate monitors I'm just like, oh, fuck. Like, I've never, I've always laughed. Who needs a heart rate monitor? Like, I didn't, I need one that's like, thumbs up if my heart's still going, thumbs down if, if I'm flatlined. Not like, one. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, and then he's like going through this and I'm like, okay, shit. So, you, you, you kind of learn things that you wouldn't necessarily do a deep dive in, right? By, by reading things that other people suggest to you and it makes you you know, hopefully a, a little bit more well-rounded. I mean, we all have algorithms on our phone that, you know, if we only listen to what our, our algorithms tell us that we want, to, that we're interested in, like you're a very one-dimensional human being, right? And uh, apparently I like BuzzFeed and um, National Post. So simple. <laughs> take, yeah, judge me based on that. But uh, do you find all this, um, all the energy and work that you're putting into yourself has allowed you to like find that voice and be able to articulate who you are and kind of what makes you tick? I think so. Um, I hope so. Um, work in progress. Always a work in progress, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm way more confident in, I, 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 I'm, I'm confident in articulating myself, but I would say I'm less likely to be, um, like I, 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 I I don't really ever say I know for sure about this. I know like the, the more I learn and the more I get to do this sort of stuff, the less um, uh, decisive I am, if that makes sense. Like, like I, I, like, it's funny, my one brother, me and him used to fight all the time and he'd be like, no, you're wrong. This is how it went. And no, and so me and him over like the last few years have become so close and we never argue because both of us are like, we don't know you know, his experience and my experience in those situations were so different that there's nothing definitive about it. It's just, he's just expressing his perspective and I'm expressing mine. Whereas that we used to fight about that, who's right and who's wrong. And to me, it's, that's the wrong question to ask. Who, nobody's right or wrong per se. It's like, okay, like, are you, are, are you getting a little bit more clarity from, from hearing each other's perspectives? But there's no, I'm right, you're wrong. And so that's what I've learned more along the way is I think when I was younger, I would probably sit and have arguments with you and just be like, no, this is the way it went. I find that to be a waste of time. It's conversations where each person kind of learns a little bit and kind of like, oh, okay. That's to me is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, this has been a cool one, man. Yeah. It's been, it's been cool to actually just like, you know, I've, I've known your name for a long time. Jason Jensen, good buddy. Mike's like, you gotta, gotta meet Mark. You gotta yeah, meet Mark. He's a good so. guy. So it's fun to actually uh, sit across from you and hear, and hear all this. And I, and I, yeah, it's been very educational for me. <laughs> just, just I hope to, there's something usable in it. Well, yeah, like every, you said so many things. I'm like, clip, clip, clip. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah, of I course. I appreciate it. Um, I end the show with one question. When I say Calgary, where's your head go? When you say Calgary, where does my head go? My head goes to just... Um, like an entrepreneurial hotbed. I think that if people want to be in a city where their ideas are accepted and where you can find a group of people that will help you, you know, realize it. Like I, I, 
I'm sure there's other cities that are as good, but I just feel really lucky to be an entrepreneur in in Calgary. Um, so I, I, that's that's where my head goes. Is um, very you know, open-minded community that wants to see people succeed. And, uh, and I, I just think that there's a lot of people in Calgary that, um, are more than happy to help you realize what you are, are, are trying to do. Yeah. 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 I agree, man. It's like, that's, that's, it's like people coming on the show. Yeah. It's the exact same thing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. I'll like give you an hour and a half of my life. Cause yeah. you know, I barely know you, but yeah, sure. Like yeah. you're doing something kind of cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, feel, it's the lighting. That's well, right. Yeah. Yeah. You just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you screenshot this. It'll just be a new profile pick everywhere. Yeah, totally. hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, thanks for your time. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I think that, um, that exploratory for you actually, um, explaining what that's about. Yeah. Is, it was really, that was really cool for me to hear. Cause it just, uh, it really resonates with me. Well, and, it, and it's one of those two where I'm just like, you know, my wife's like, how are you going to monetize that? And I'm just like, I, I, like, again, I don't, I'm, I'm figuring out the how. Uh, I started with the why, you know what I mean? And, uh, but I have a wicked team helping me with it. And, uh, and so it'll be fun. I actually built the app and then we weren't happy with it. So we're rebuilding it. So that's, that's always a lot of fun. But uh, hey, man, it's all about the journey, right? That's it. Like you said, like you go down one path, door closed, you got to go yeah. back and. But what else are we going to do? Like, Jesus, man. Like, you know what Not I mean? Not wear <laughs> shitty suits. Yeah, exactly. Like, like that's what life is all about, is just uh, having fun and figuring shit out. Yep. Uh, thanks again. Awesome. Thank you, man. Yep.